welcome to the About Life with Joe podcast. I'm Joe, and your life is about to get better. Please subscribe and enjoy. Today, Christina and I talk about how this all came together, how she applies the Joe method to her work and to her daily life and how it works for her, and everything in between. It's a really great conversation, and I hope you enjoy What's new? This is new. Yeah, this is crazy now. This is so cool, huh? I agree. Um, Should we tell people how we met each other? Yeah. Jen Davis, obviously, our beloved shared acquaintance. Um, She brought you into our SAP mental health day, I believe. And it was like an hour and a half session with you. And you kind of just talked about your story with cancer. And I just remember like, listening to your talk, I was like, oh, I got to get to know her. And then you're like, oh, I'm just, an, I'm a crazy Greek girl. And I was like, okay, I really got to get to know her because <laughs> I'm Greek too. So I just like immediately texted Jen and was like, hey, so kind of crazy, but <laughs> do you think Joanna would be open to like talking with me? And the rest was history. <laughs> Very Amazing. brief version, but. Yeah. I mean, we go back yeah. to our roots, right? Like mm-hmm. the Greek connection, definitely huge. And you know, from that, what what was so amazing, even though you and I, you know, do our biweekly calls, which, you know, we're doing today, mm-hmm. we also, you were able to put together this amazing dynamic group of young professional women across all industries, which I never realized until I saw their emails that they are in everything. So there had to be some sort of thought there on your end, right? Like super diverse backgrounds. And we do these monthly talks and research for my next book, which is what I was thinking was going to happen. But the universe always has a better plan. And I, you know, it just seems like a logical next step to share all of these incredible exchanges that we're all having. And I'm so grateful that you put that together. Me too. I mean, there's so much fun. And I did want to bring in like, well, at my age, like we're, more or less the ages besides my little sister who's an outlier at 22 but we're like 25 to 28 and I feel like we're all in this unique space especially with quarantine and just like navigating career especially a remote career I just knew like they would love you just like I do and like want to hear as I call them the tips and tricks of learning from you and just like hearing from your story and like your diverse background with like working corporate jobs and then starting your own businesses and writing a novel. Um, So I just feel like that's like the fun of it is that like everyone's in a different industry. Everyone wants something different for themselves. And then like just leaning on each other and leaning on you. That's amazing. I think I enjoy it. Obviously, as you know, it's like the my favorite part of my day when I have one of those talks or when I get to talk with you or other young women that I mentor. Um, I don't even know if it's mentoring. It's just like practical advice, right? I don't know that it's, what would, how would you describe it? I 
almost think of it as like relationship building and like you lean on different relationships for different things. And like you lean on a, fr a friend for one thing and then another friend for another thing. And you always go to your friends for advice. And I feel like that's what you do is like, you really focus on the relationship aspect of who you're talking to and understanding like what they want to get across and why. And then you can come with like a recommendation or just like your experience. And I think that's like, truly like the power it's like you're not just like talking at us you're like talking with us yeah I mean that's so nice that you feel that way because I'm sure my kids <laughs> my kids are like you're talking at me and I'm like that's another reason why this really works I'm like because I have birthed none of you <laughs> so that's the other big and I, I was thinking back Christina about if I were to receive it, and many times as we speak, I always say, oh, if I knew this in my 20s, my journey or my path would have been so much easier. If I, oh, if someone had told me this in my 20s, I would have been. And I'm sure people did try to tell me things in my 20s, but I was not as receptive because although their information was super valuable, like my mother, for example, my mother is super accomplished, an incredible entrepreneur, um, the best cook I know, she can she can do it, she can do anything and everything and she does. I'm sure she told me stuff and I was like, you have no idea what you're talking about, okay? So the fact that I'm not your mother mm -hmm. is a like there's different receptors that are open. I'm also not your boss. Mm -hmm. I'm not your coach. I'm not your therapist. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not. And that's what I think makes it so interesting because I don't have any skin in the game other than just helping you. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I can say this from my own perspective as a mother, you know your children just so well, or you think you do, and you really do think you know what's best for them. I, be I believe that all the time. And I'm sure every parent in the world, you know, wants the best for their kids. But they don't listen to me the same way that they'll listen to somebody else, at least now in this phase of their life. And so I imagine in their 20s, you eventually come around. Like, I call my mom all the time now. And I'm just like, I, I mean, if I'm having a, a, a day, she's the one I call. And then she'll be like, pull yourself up, Joe. This is what you do. And I'm like, but I can't. I can't pull myself up. Like, what are you talking about? And I digress into that, like, young, you know. Well, your mom will always be your mom. So your mom it's like. always your mom. It doesn't matter how <laughs> successful you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Your mom is still your mom, okay? And there's nothing like a mom. So I'm like mom 2.0. I'm like off to the side. Yeah. Or like the fun aunt that like you want to be. <laughs> the fun aunt that you want to be. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I do love all my nieces and nephews. And they're all like, well, a lot of them are still super little. So I, they're just cute and adorable. And I give them back. I don't have to keep them. So that's also super awesome. Anyway, how's your week? Tell me what's going on. I know I saw you once this week. I saw you. Yes. We had an awesome yeah, I've been thinking a lot about like, the daydreaming and the Joe method of acceptance. What is it? Acceptance, um, gratitude and movement of some sort. So one thing that I think about, 
or like I want to talk to you about is the acceptance part. And like one thing that I've been struggling with, it's like I get the method, I believe in it, and I actually have a story about it that it worked. But then I also have like, so that is like, I have a work story that it worked out. But when I apply it to my personal life, how I think about it is I'm like, I say to myself, I accept that this is what it is. Like, I I know that it's not going to change. And I'm grateful that I'm like having this conversation or whatever it is. Um, And then like my movement will just, you know, that'll come later. But Mm -hmm. I notice I say, I accept it, but I'm still hoping that it's the other thing. Yeah. So I think like what I want to talk to you today is like, how do you like truly accept it for what it is without saying the like, but I'm still holding out hope that that's not the actual reality that I want to accept. Okay. Well, this is all awesome. Okay. And we're going to get through it and I'm going to show you step-by-step the little tips and tricks that we talk about on how to change the experience. Right. So First of all, I'll tell everybody what the method is because you and I both know what it is and we use it, but nobody else knows. So in along my journey from healing, you know, from cancer, going through other difficult situations, I recently had realized that although I would say the buzzwords, I'm grateful and I would feel grateful or I'm so grateful, um, I wasn't really able to move past whatever I was stuck in. And I very recently realized that it was because there was a step I was missing. And the step before the gratitude is the acceptance. No one ever taught me that. I had to learn by 48 years of trial and error, right? So I found that once I really accepted, really accepted what was going on, doesn't mean that I have to like it, but I really accepted it, then I could move towards genuine gratitude because that's the only kind of gratitude that works, Christina. You can say, I'm grateful, but when you add the word, like you say, but, that means you're not all in. You can't be a little pregnant. You just either are or you're not, right? So if you're grateful, you're grateful. You have to think about it in those terms. And so after the acceptance, then comes the gratitude, the genuine gratitude. And you'll know the genuine gratitude And then there's movement, which means you can move through the situation. That doesn't mean it miraculously goes away. That doesn't mean you're going to end up loving it. That doesn't even mean you have to like it. It just means that you have to, that you're moving through it. And what that does is it decreases your stress level, no matter how stressful the situation is. And it doesn't keep you stagnant. It doesn't keep you circling the drain in the same situation, really replaying the movie in your mind about what you like, that what you don't like it, that keeps going on and how you wish it was different. If you're wishing or hoping, because we also substitute the word hope for wish, right? You're really in denial about where you are. So you're not in the present moment acceptance will bring you right where you're supposed to be. Even if it's not where you think you're supposed to be, it's still where you are. So it is where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk, let's back up a little bit now that we've explained to everybody what it is or tried to at least. 
In a personal situation, the reason why you can apply this technique and method, and I can't wait to hear what happened at work, to you at your work is because you're not emotionally attached to the outcome the way you are in relationships. Okay, and if it's something that is based especially in love, if there's somebody that you love that you want to love you back in a way that maybe is not aligned with what you're expecting, of course you're going to wish or hope it's better. But you still end up, no matter if it's a work situation, a personal situation, you still end up spinning in that same place and staying there. And that, the longer you stay there, the harder your life is going to be. And I'm not saying to move through and whip through situations fast. Be methodical. Think about them. But live in awareness that you have to accept first. Don't jump to gratitude. So tell me what happened at work. I'm so when we were talking with Chris this week and remember I was explaining to you that I had a business um, QBR, so quarterly business review with my team. And I said I was going into it wishing I was at a different place than I was. And we talked about accepting it, being grateful for where I'm at and where I can choose to go in the future and then figuring out kind of a plan of action to get me moving towards that. Mm -hmm. And after that call, I really thought about that as I prepared my deck, accepting that, okay, I didn't exactly sell as much as I wish I did in that first quarter of the year, but what can I do? Like, but I'm grateful that I did sell something. So that's always like, that's always good, right? Something. Right. And so then I was like, okay, what, like, what do I want to talk about during my QBR regarding announcing to my manager that yes, I accept that I'm not where I'm at, but I'm grateful that I got on the board. And this is my plan of how I'm going to make sure that I, you know, I'm going to sell. I'm not kidding. In 24 hours, we get a call from a customer saying that they want to execute a deal within 24 hours. Like this does not happen in the software world. And lo and behold, we closed the deal. Like I talked to the customer for the first time and sold him the deal within 14 hours. And it was like a big deal. Wow. Like this does not happen in my industry. It does happen because it just happened. And I, me and my manager talked a lot about it after. And he said, like, you, the universe took your, like, positivity. You're, you've been very hardworking all year. Like, I know you've been hardworking. And, like, this is truly how they're, like, repaying you in a way. And I was like, I cannot believe this happened right after doing your methodology. Like, it, it doesn't make sense still. Like, I kept telling him I feel like I'm being punked. Like it's that's a good punking, okay? Like if Ashton Kutcher is gonna like jump, out. yeah, here's a software deal, and then Ashton Kutcher pops out. Congratulations, first of all, that is amazing, and that that high of closing a deal, I still remember that from my sales days. There's just that like you're untouchable for all of thirty seconds, right? And like, great, right? So the reason why. I believe that that happened is your your energy, your space that you were worried about. You're not supposed to be where you are. You really wanted to be somewhere else. So that all, what does that cause? That causes resistance, right? It causes non-acceptance, resistance, whatever you want to call it. And that starts 
a different energy surrounding everything you do. So once you clear that up and almost like picture like you just parked it, you just parked it somewhere and you're like, okay, I see you, I know, and now I'm going to be grateful for what happened and I'm going to make a plan to go forward because that's the movement. You moved through, you didn't stay stuck. So the universe saw you, knows that you, you know, listen, you got to do the legwork. It's not like all of a sudden you're sitting around like eating bonbons and like, you know, watching Bravo all day, which sounds like a dream life, but, and all of a sudden these deals are kind of falling in your lap. Like you've done the work, right? Uh, I think I say in my book, like I was ready to run the race because I had prepared mm-hmm. and I logged the miles. Um, I say that like I'm a runner and I'm like the world's, as you know, worst runner. Uh, we should also back up and tell everybody who Chris is. Chris is the editor that makes us all makes these videos look incredible. Um, and when we were on our prep call this week, although I have no idea what you're going to ask me, as you know, I started to share this method that I just feel like is the most freeing, liberating, easy, and practical way to keep your sanity, to just have a better life. So tell me what the difference is when you try to apply it personally, because you can connect those two. I just feel like with work, I mean, you've said it already earlier, it's kind of our emotional connection to personal life and like with relationships and whether it just be friendships or love or family, you sometimes have to accept things from the relationships you're in that you wish you didn't have to accept. And whether that be treatment, communication, um, just style. Um, But I feel like we always want to see the best in everyone. So like, that's why it's like, okay, I accept that they're treating me like this. I just wish, but I hoped it could have gone that way or like, but I wish they just cared a little bit more about me. And so that's the difference between, I think, work and personal life, because like with work, it's like, oh, I know I like, I accept I didn't make my number. Like, I know I didn't do that. Like, yeah, there's probably like a little bit more that I could have been doing. Um, Not a little, like there's always a lot you could do with work, but it's like, I'm already in the point where I'm at, like the quarter's over, like it's sealed. So like, I have to accept that that's what happened in that quarter. And now I'm ready to move on versus like personal life. There's no like timestamp. Like we don't think about friendships in quarters. So Well, well, what if you did think about friendships in quarters, right? So I think sometimes we set ourselves up with the expectation that things should be a certain way and people should do what we would do. And people don't ever do what we would do. People do what they do. So it's a really interesting concept. Like you spend a lot of time being frustrated because somebody is not responding the way that you would have responded. And you'll say, I'm sure, because I've said it myself. Can you believe they did that? Can you? I just can't believe they did that, right? So you're just like in a vortex of resistance there, right? So Christina, if there's something that you want to change about yourself, like something that you've been trying to change or want to change, would you agree that it's pretty hard? Absolutely. Change is always hard. hard, Right? So hard. Like, and we talk about, and I'm sure we'll have many of these talks where we talk about 
um, you know, if you add something that you're, you've been putting off and you, you know, try to add it into your week and get it done and that's changing a behavior pattern, changing something about yourself. So you and I both are in a hundred percent agreement that that is one of the hardest things to do to yourself, right? Absolutely. So keeping that in mind, imagine how hard it is to change somebody else. <laughs> Honey, it's never going to happen. It's non-existent. It's non-existent. So what you're doing is pining and climbing up this ladder to nowhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you free fall and you crash, right? That's how it feels emotionally, right? Yeah. Like, but I did this, 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 and this, and they still like did X, Y, and Z. One of the hardest things you will ever, ever go through in your life is to have to forgive somebody or accept somebody that didn't ask for forgiveness and really didn't try to make it better, okay? I heard once on a podcast, I think I told you about this podcast, the New Earth podcast with Oprah Winfrey and Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. And it's a 10, it's like I think a 10 week series and it, di- it goes through the book, it's unbelievable. But they both said in one of the chapters, you just have to accept the other person because if they knew better, they would do better. So everybody here is doing, maybe not to the best of what you think they should be doing, but it really is to the best of what they can be doing. And that doesn't mean you have to let people treat you like crap. That doesn't mean you have to take it laying down. That doesn't mean, but engaging and trying to change the behavior Mm -hmm. is just going to frustrate you and they're going to stay the same. So that's where boundaries come in. Boundaries are your freedom around this. And that's what you can be grateful for. So it's not like you're going to say, well, I'm really grateful that that person, you know, made me feel so bad, right? Mm -hmm. What you end up is you switch the narrative and you say, oh, well, I'm really grateful I didn't take the bait that time. And I'm really grateful that I got out of this and it didn't turn into like a, emotional, like shoulda, coulda, woulda, what did I do, reevaluating yourself, that you accept the way the person is right now. We said the quarters of friendship. No one stays the same forever. People evolve, they grow, they change, they digress. So there's nothing permanent. So just because something is displayed to you right now or showing it to you right now, that doesn't mean it's forever. And that means for the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, because nobody is perfect. None of us, we're all imperfect people, right? So I always lead with forgiveness. Not always easy, but I lead inside and I lead with forgiveness. And I do that for myself because not only do I forgive, but I expect to be forgiven because I don't know about you, but I make a ton of mistakes. I'm sure my delivery and my tone isn't, you know, it's not everybody's flavor, obviously, but you can imagine that that could go a different way when I'm really passionate. I'm Greek for God's sakes. Like, so when I, you know, was a little younger and a little, believe it or not, louder, I'm sure I've said a lot of things that I would love to take back. I didn't intend to hurt anybody, but I did. It was the best I could do at that time. So in difficult relationships, 
These are the takeaways. Know that it's never permanent. Set up your boundaries for yourself. You don't even need to tell the other person. Just for yourself. And that's when, like, when you hit your limit and you hear and you see those triggers, okay, you don't need to take the bait. You don't need to respond. Mm-hmm. Okay? You just don't. And a lot of times it's like we want to prove or we want to change and you end up. So you can apply that same method, acceptance, gratitude, and movement through any difficult family member. I've done it myself in, in, in very challenging situations where I'm like, okay, it is what it is. Is that the way that I had seen or hoped it would be? No, but this is the reality. And I had spent hours and hours and years crying over it and second guessing myself. And I'm like, I wish I had that time back because guess what? I ended up in the same place anyway. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And like, I'm almost rephrasing it in my head already of like accepting that you can't change anyone. Be grateful for like the diverse relationships and what you learned from each relationship and then move on like to spending time with the people that lift you up or like spending time with the people that you don't need to change in any way. So it's like the change thing is really what stuck out for me. And then me just accepting that, okay, it's really hard for me to change myself. So I'm never going to be able to change someone else. And so being accepting that and being grateful though, that I still have a relationship with this person that I quote unquote want to change. Cause at the end of the day, I have a relationship with them because I see something in them. Um, and then just like moving on to figuring out what makes most sense. And then obviously introducing boundaries into the mix. Right. And I mean, so well said you, you, you nailed it. I also think it's, it's really important to remember that nothing is permanent and everything is fluid. Okay. And people go through hard seasons. Okay. I was just with a friend last night and we were talking about, um, a friend of hers, you know, a friend that she's very close with and she's not really getting kind of the response that she normally would get. And I said, you know, I'm sure people felt that way about me when I was going through the cancer. I was not as responsive. And although this person isn't going through something like that, that's so, um, you can put a label on it. Maybe I said she's going through something really hard that she doesn't want to share right now. And she just can't be. So give people grace and time because one day you're going to need that back. Okay. I remember Christina, um, every single time I met somebody or a friend of mine or somebody got diagnosed with something, okay, I would jump right in. I'm sure you can imagine with my personality and I would be like, okay, well, what can we do? What can we do? That was the very thing that I could not receive when I got my own diagnosis. And I remember sitting and being like, wow, I can't believe I did that to people. And then I would say, um, okay, I have a friend that went through this and I would try to, yeah, no, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even intake it. And I remember thinking to myself, people will always respond the way that they know how at the time, you know, but there has to be grace and there has to be forgiveness, um, around all of it and don't hold on to it. 
you know, like don't hold on to it. I know we talk about, we've talked about this before and I have that awesome story that I had heard about the two monks, right? That's a great story. Should we share the story? Yeah, I think it's super helpful. It's super helpful because you can visualize like what these monks look like. I can't even remember where I read it, but it was just such a great story or I heard it. Um, I'm paraphrasing it as well. So I, there's two monks that had taken a vow of silence and were walking through a field and they came across a muddy path or a mud puddle and there was a beautiful woman that was having a hard time crossing the muddy puddle. One of the monks picked her up, carried her across. The other monk was, monk B was right behind him. So monk A is carrying the girl. Monk B is right you know, next to him, I think in shock and awe. He puts the beautiful woman down on the other side of the puddle and they carry on and continue on to the monastery and, or the temple, wherever they, I don't know what kind of monks they were, but I think you get the point. And as they approach to get back into the monastery or the temple where they were going, monk B says to monk A, I, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you picked up this woman. We're not supposed to touch women. We're not supposed to do that. That you broke, you know, these vows. And Monk A looked at him and said, you're still carrying that woman? I put her down miles ago, right? So think about what woman you're, what you're carrying in your mind. Because I guarantee you, the people that are causing you this kind of distress are not carrying you around. Never. So be careful of the real estate you give up, up there, because that's the most expensive real estate in the world. Your head real estate is your most expensive real estate. And your energy is precious, right? So it's renewable how we saw in your experience with being able to immediately shift your energy and have something that was so unexpected and wonderful happen, right? Well, the same thing works when you're feeding a negative story, right? That person is just going to annoy you more or that situation. Definitely. You feed it. And then you're letting the negativity like, well, I just think it goes back to the talk on Wednesday and Shelby spoke up about it. Just like when you have negative thoughts, you get the negative thoughts back. And she realized like if she changes her mindset, then what truly she recognized being more positive and like thinking about things a different way or you know, no longer caring what happened and now focusing on the future, she's gotten it back in return. And she's like, it's worked a hundred percent for me. So it's just always remembering that. Yeah. And it's remembering. And, and I believe, and we've talked about this before, when you practice these things on, on the little things. So for example, you open up your refrigerator and you're really like craving, um, I don't know, you want to make yourself like a delicious coffee or something and there's like this amazing creamer that you have and you go to open it and it's gone and your roommate has taken it. I'm just painting this scenario of what I remember it was like um, living in my 20s. Forgive me, Angela. Angela like the, was the best roommate and we would, you know, share food, of course. And you get pissed off, right? You get, you get stuck there and you're like, oh, it's annoying. And then you're like, she's so annoying because of X, Y, Z. And I can't believe she looked at me a little sideways five days ago. Right, right, the story goes, right? And even though this is a person that you really like and you, you love even, right? 
But yet that little no creamer milk thing just irritated, sets off this course of events. What if you reframe it and you use this practice on something like that? And you say, all right, there's no creamer. There's your acceptance, step one. Step two, okay, well, I'm grateful that I do have such an awesome roommate. Anyway, 99% of the time, she's super awesome. And I probably didn't need to have another coffee. So this is helping me in some way that I have not yet figured out. And now I'm going to move on to the next part of my day. Mm -hmm. And you leave it there. And if you practice it in some, you know, obviously I gave an extremely, you know, exaggerated scenario. Um, If you practice it in those little moments, you're training the muscle in your brain to respond when the big things happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't go into this complete panic because you've practiced this method over and over. So I started to apply it and I, you know, I'm not, I'm human, right? I get home last night from dinner. No one's taken the dog out and no one has taken the trash out. And I'm like, this is the one night of week that I don't have to do those two things. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, raise my voice a little bit, which is not really raising my voice because Greek people don't, they, we just talk in a louder voice. <laughs> That's my story and I'm sticking to it. And I, you know, then was like, all right, I don't want to go to bed like this. I don't want to go to bed with being irritated about those two things. I know I have to do them. And I know that they didn't happen. So I was like, all right, I've accepted that they didn't happen. I'm going to take the dog out and I'm going to take the trash out. And then I'm going to be, you know, super grateful that I don't need to continue this conversation anymore with either one of my daughters and have a fight. That's what I was grateful for. Because normally that would have been some sort of argument. You know, I didn't, I didn't like, you know, I talked them through it after and I was like, this can't happen again and blah, 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 blah. But I accepted that the mistake was made. The oversight happened. I had to do it. And then I moved through it. And that's it. And normally that would have been like 13 texts to my best friend being like, can you believe how completely ungrateful, like this is what, right? This is what I mean, the milk cart, it goes to the other place. And I'm like, of course my kids are not ungrateful, but I'm like, how could they? And it's like a personal attack on me. And this is how we take stuff, right? Does that ever happen to you? All the time. And I, I love like using this method for it. And I mean, I have two sisters, so obviously petty fights and feeling like they're out to get you are (laughs) all the time. But I've noticed it with like certain things that I think about that now that I have three roommates, I realize like all of our minds are thinking about completely different things or daydreaming about different things. And what matters to me, they don't even notice. And what matters to them, I don't even notice. And that's like one thing that I've really learned with living with them is like oh like no one's out to get you by not taking out the trash like they don't notice that it's full like that's just not on their radar like they're not thinking we want christina to do this every single time like no so it's i had to like train my 
brain to be like, oh, like I'll just go do this for them and then it's clean. Like I'm, I'm kind of a neat freak. So it's partly too, like I'm just such a neat freak. So it's always on my mind, but it doesn't mean someone that's not a neat freak. It's, I don't know. But like, I think this is like, a, I'm going to take the lesson that you just said around like how your girls didn't do that and how like I can just like continue to apply that with living with three other girls. <laughs> and you're training with your sisters, your life. Yeah had trained you for living with three other girls, right? Yeah, absolutely. My girls talk about this all the time. They shared a room because we lived in downtown Boston up until last year. So they grew up literally in the same room. It was a big room, but they still shared it. Bigger than any dorm room they're going to get next year for sure. Yeah. And when my older one would complain about it, the younger one's like, I'm just going to make you a better roommate. And I'm like, good attitude. I'm going to make you a better roommate. And I'm like, this is what happened is your sisters you have to be grateful because they made you a better roommate. True. I'm and you're with saying. me forever, regardless. <laughs> Should we talk about daydreaming? Yes, absolutely. Because all the girls literally loved the topic and I've been putting it into practice. Do we want to like take a step back and explain the talk on Wednesday? Or how do you want to discuss the beginning of daydreaming? And I think we should talk about too the like, daydreaming every single day. What was it like 30 for 30 or I don't remember how you phrased it, but. A 30 day daydreaming that. challenge. Yes. Okay. And I want to put that out there for the entire world. You don't have to be 20 something to do it. Right. And. Start when you're young and keep it up. Start when you're young because we do start when we're young and then we forget we lose it mm -hmm. because we're, you know, on the phone, we're, we're living other people, we're watching TV, we're, ha we're in such an intake kind of way, we're taking on other people's dreams and we're not having our own dreams, mm -hmm. right? So should I back up and tell, uh, why don't I back up and tell everybody how I started to daydream and what happened with me because it was pretty miraculous like a year later. Um, when we had gone into quarantine in March, 2020, my life was very, very different than it is today. Um, and I don't mean because of the pandemic. Obviously, everybody's life is a lot different. But I mean, I was coming out of uh, just healing from breast cancer. I had, in essence, been in quarantine since September before. And as I was trying to reemerge into the world, I this happens. Okay. And I'm like, okay, well, no reemerging for you, Joe. I guess you are not a butterfly yet. And I had, I was very lucky to be able to have implants put in directly after my double mastectomy, but the implants didn't jive well with my, with my body and they didn't look um, natural or as natural or right. And they were rippling. Anyway, it was really made me very uncomfortable to be able to see that. And it was something I avoided at all costs. And I would, you know, was waiting for my surgery, which happened in October, you know, um, 2020 because of the pandemic. So I had to really live with this a lot longer than I wanted to. And I guess this is where, you know, part of the acceptance kicks in. I was already, I was also quarantining with my two teenage daughters that were transitioning right to a re immediately remote kind of school situation, just like everybody else, or some kids didn't even have that. So my kids were very fortunate. 
and my marriage was coming to an end, my 23-year marriage. And so take all of those trifecta, those factors, put them in a little house in Newport, Rhode Island, lock them up, don't let anybody out, and what happens? I would get in the shower and I would cry. I didn't want to look down, I would cry, I was feeling really bad about everything in my life. Um, and I was like, wow, well, this is not gonna help me. And so because I wanted to avoid looking at myself in the shower, I would close my eyes and I would daydream. And I would picture myself sometime in the future. I made it the very near future because I was like, something's got to give soon. And I started to picture myself um, publishing my book, finishing my book. I hadn't finished my book yet. Finishing my book, getting a publisher, getting it published. I had no idea how this was going to happen, but I didn't care. I was just daydreaming. I wasn't judging my daydreams. I would picture myself living in a quiet space, in a bigger space, not my apartment that I had lived in for a very long time, that we had lived in for a very long time, in a white kitchen. I had pictured myself being able to help many, many people. And I had pictured myself with new boobs. All of that happened. In ways that, I mean, that's a million other conversation, hours of conversation, which is so awesome, but just like your deal, right? Like they just happened. And it wasn't because I hadn't worked hard. I, of course I had worked hard and I really, but I was daydreaming about it. So I think the method and the daydreaming together are the dynamic duo. And that's like the missing link. So when I shared that story with the girls, I said, when you're in the shower, because you can't be on your phone, and I don't think anybody's showering with anybody else, especially now in COVID, right? Like COVID times, like maybe, you know, dating is hard, so I don't think that that's all happening so, anymore. So maybe you take that time and you daydream about how you see yourself in the future. And what are you wearing? Where, where are you eating? What music are you listening to? Who are you with? Uh, I, I mean, in my daydreams, it's always sunny. And this will also help you in a lot of the questions and the topics that come up that we talk about in our, you know, nice um, chats is like, well, my purpose, how am I supposed to know my purpose? What, how do I know what I'm supposed to get to? The daydreaming will help you unlock those steps. And it's fun. It's not something that you're like, oh, shit, I have to do this. You're like, oh, I get, I get to do this, mm -hmm. right? And make your dreams great because they all come true. The bad ones come true too. I'm a perfect example of that. It was something I always feared. I always thought about it. I always thought about it. It happened. I'm not saying that's why it happened, but it did eventually happen. So tell me about like what your thoughts are on this daydreaming challenge. I mean, I do think daydreaming goes hand in hand with like acceptance, gratitude and movement. And I just think it's all about like what you're choosing to think about in and manifest in your brain and like put out into the atmosphere. It's like if you are thinking about a dream all the time, that's 
like you want it to come true. So it's why wouldn't it come true sort of thing? Like you're in charge of your life. You can put it in the atmosphere that you want it to happen. So what are you going to do to make it happen? Like, let's get some movement. And I just think with the daydreaming thing, it's something that we don't do anymore because we have iPhones, we have podcasts. Like you said, you're listening to other people's dreams on podcasts rather than you figuring out your own. And I just think it goes to like, set aside 15 minutes to like let yourself be bored and let your mind run free of how you want your life to be or where you want to be or what you want to do and just like thinking of maybe like far-fetched travels well then maybe you'll end up going there or your friend that dreamed up a guy and ended up meeting that guy in a yoga class and being like shocked that she saw him but the whole time she was thinking about this kind of dream guy so i just think like I like the idea of being like specific on what you want to daydream. Like, like you said, it's always sunny. And like what I've started to incorporate, which was a tip from you is what are you wearing? Where are you sitting? Like this morning I was daydreaming and I was thinking about, I'm going to have a really nice new bracelet a year from now. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know I'm going to be really excited that I'm waking up and looking at my wrist and there's my new bracelet. And feel it, like feel it, like pretend it's like, not pretend, but like dream that it's already there. Mm-hmm. And right? replacing my, my two bracelets that I do like right now, but I'm like, well, in a year, hopefully I've upgraded to a nicer one. And um, I think about like, it's because it's Friday today and I was daydreaming like a year from now, I'm going to wake up. It's going to be Friday. It's going to be a beautiful day in New York City. And I'm my plans for the afternoon will be getting a glass of wine at an outdoor cafe. And I, I believe that will happen. Like it will happen. Mm-hmm. You know, of course it will happen. It's so it's so nice to have these dreams for yourself because it's the most intimate part of you, right? And, you know, I also love what people put out there. And I, as you know, read a lot of books and I love to watch things that inspire me. And I wouldn't even be where I am today without all of the people putting their dreams into reality. I mean, this is my dream that I'm putting out into reality to inspire others, right? But everyone, every single human being should take a few minutes every day to have that intimate time with themselves and daydream not what people want from them or where they others want them to be or their boss or their spouse or their kids or their boyfriend, their girlfriend, um, their parents, but like really how you see yourself. That's where it all starts, Christina. How you see yourself is how is the most important relationship really you can ever have. Mm-hmm. You know, how you see yourself, your relationship with yourself, like the way you talk to me is always so nice. It's always so respectful. It's always so nice. It's always so positive. I can guarantee you that that's not the way you talk to yourself. Certainly not. Right? Right. But why? You should like you more than you like me. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that is the best part, is that, that relationship. And I remember, you know, my best friend would always say, and still always says, Joe, the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. And I would be like, but my kids need me or but, but that's just deflecting, right? So when I started to dream, because I would dream big for other people. I've never told you this before, but I have 
literally manifested things for other people that I love. I would want it for them so bad that I would dream about it all the time and those things would happen. I knew that they wanted it, whether it was, you know, a very dear friend of mine trying very hard to get pregnant and just couldn't get pregnant and had everything that could happen and the opposite of getting pregnant happen. I always saw it for her. I saw it and I felt it, right? I would daydream about it. I would see this baby, okay? Um, he's my godson now, right? And he's, I think, the most fabulous little boy. Um, I would uh, talk, I had a friend who really wanted to be in love and meet a guy so nice and so awesome. And I would say, I remember thinking I would, I would send this like energy to her and really, really hope that somebody worthy of her would come into her path. She's in an incredible relationship. So I'm like, why can't I do this for myself? You know, and then, and then I started to daydream just like I would picture the fondness, like somebody you really love and you really want the best for them. I was like, well, what if I really loved myself and I wanted the best for me too? Because the universe, as you know, is infinite, mm -hmm. right? And there's lots of law of attraction stuff out there and everybody's got a different version of it and all of that stuff, but the, the facts are the facts. If you believe that it will happen, it will happen or something better will happen. If it doesn't happen, it wasn't meant for you. And that's where the acceptance gratitude movement comes in. You don't get stuck on what didn't happen because you know something better is coming. Okay. And if you stay in that mindset, it's like this ebb and flow and picture like, I mean, I've never surfed in my life, but I'm going to use a surfing analogy. One of my daughters surfs like, Picture like when you watch those surfers on TV and they're just riding the wave and sometimes it's up and it's high, but they, they're just always in flow because they're able to take, take something and not get knocked off. That's where your acceptance, gratitude and movement comes in. Don't get knocked off your board, right? Stay on your board, accept that, you know, maybe there was a bump, but you're going to keep going and it will be better than you ever imagined. Because once you get there, you're like, oh, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? And then you keep going because you're never really, it never ends. Mm -hmm. Right? So you just accept, accepting where you are will give you the ultimate freedom to make all your dreams come true with the least amount of effort. And I say this, to a very hard-working Greek girl, and I am a very hard-working Greek girl. So, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, what else? Do we have anything to wrap up with? I think this is super helpful. And, like, I even think about when you were just talking about, like, daydreaming and accepting yourself. Well, I'm now thinking about it. Like, I would never talk to you the way I talk to myself, obviously. And so it's like, oh, why am I not accepting of myself and, like, who I am and, like, maybe the transitional phase you always said, like I told you one day I was in a funk and you use the term no 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 you're not in a funk you're in a transitional period and lo and I mean that was a couple of months ago and I am very much out of that transitional period but it felt like you know the end all be all funk that I was in that was ruining my life and it's like oh I should have just accepted that I was I you told me to accept that 
for what it was. And like, it was personal. So for me, it's like accepting myself, not talking negatively about myself or telling myself you'll forever be in this funk. It's accepting that it's a transitional period and then riding the wave of life and being more positive and starting a daydream. I should have daydreamed like next week or, you know, in a year from now, like I'm going to be beaming and so exciting and maybe traveling the world because hopefully this pandemic is behind us. <laughs> so fingers crossed. I mean, fingers crossed. I, and I think that's a nice point to wrap up with and tie into here is when you were in a funk and, you know, I just want to say thank you for being honest and vulnerable and open. Um, everything we do here is real and that's why it works, right? I, I feel like the realer you are, the more you can help other people and there's really no room to hold anything back. And I think if we're, I do believe that we are all here to help each other in some way or learn from each other. And I was never vulnerable until and, and real until I wrote my book. And then I published it and then the whole world knew. So I was like, or whoever wants to read it knew or could know. I was like, well, I guess it's out there now. So that gave me this kind of free pass to just really be my authentic self um, and not worry about the veneer of what other people or what society or what I had told myself I wanted to be. And when you are in a funk, because we all have them, because we're human, I, I think I said to you, you know, not, life is not always here all the time. There's an ebb and a flow, and that's what makes you a whole person. And when you see a lot of times, you know, your reference points are now social media, TV, um, you know, even our talk today, because it was being filmed, because it's going to be on YouTube, we put a little makeup on, we put cuter clothes on. Normally, I'm like, you know, we come to each other as we are, but we still made it look nicer than it is. Let's call it what it is, right? And so people don't see um, the funks of other people because they're not posting those things on the internet, right? And they're not putting them on social media. But I think I had said to you once with the entire group that I was just having a day. I was in a funk and I was having a series of them. It was like three or four days and I couldn't get myself out of it. And it was, it was actually the night that I was supposed to give or that I was giving a talk to all of you. And I was really trying very hard to get through it. And I accepted that I was in a funk. My phone rang. I was grateful that I had to give the talk. My phone rang. I saw that it was Mass General Hospital Exchange. I'm like, that's weird. I don't have anything coming up. And it was my surgeon's office. And they wanted my help. They wanted to, me to talk to a patient that was scared, that was going to have the same surgery that I had. And I snapped out of it like that. And I was like, okay, I'm good now. My funk is gone. And... You know, now looking back at it, maybe it was because I accepted that you're not always up and going at a thousand percent all the time. You need those lulls so you can learn what you're supposed to learn and then go back up. Right? So you're not in a funk forever. Appreciate the funk when you're in it and be kind to yourself. I love that. Deep thoughts by Joe. Tips and tricks to get me through life. <laughs> My 20s. The tricks for your 20s. Oh, maybe that's it. <laughs>